This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Ted Westerfeld is quite possibly the most recognized name when it comes to the topic of promotion and relegation in American soccer. But stop and think about that for a second. We, American soccer fans, debate the topic of promotion and relegation on a daily basis. How fucking absurd is that, that we argue about this? How crazy is it that this guy Ted has been demonized for wanting something so fundamental And how deflating is it that people think professional soccer should only happen in major United States cities? People talk about business metrics and how we need to be thankful for people that invested in soccer in the 90s. And they talk about how MLS is growing. Stop. It's not about that. Promotion and relegation at its core is about inclusion. The system that those guys set up in the 90s, well, That was designed and continues to be redesigned to exclude people that want to participate in soccer the way that cities and towns and even villages participate in soccer around the world. At the core, promotion relegation is about inclusion, simply allowing everyone to have the opportunity to get involved with the game and to let the ball decide how far they can go, not a boardroom. Secondary to inclusion are things like incentives and business and increased competition and awareness. And I'll ask you to stop one more time because I know what's going through your head right now. You need to stop coming up with excuses or arguments to combat promotion relegation. Start thinking about how much it hurts this country that teams like Detroit City FC and Chattanooga and Jacksonville Armada and New York Cosmos and Miami FC and Kingston Stockade and Cal United and San Francisco City FC and so many others that you don't even know about. Those are just people that are doing a good job on social media. Imagine how many others are out there that are not able to even pursue the top level because of the U.S. soccer boardroom refusing to include them the same way that the rest of the world's federations include every inch of their respective countries. You can hear me. I'm getting super fired up about this. This means a lot to me. And to be honest, it's fucking embarrassing that I have to have Ted come on the show to even talk about something like this, to even talk about something like promotion relegation, because providing opportunities for our entire country to be involved in soccer and providing opportunities for everyone to pursue the highest level of the sport should be a no fucking brainer, but it's not. And this topic doesn't get airtime on mainstream media like Fox and ESPN and NBCSN or BN Sports or Sirius XM. Those guys just ignore it. Or they barely touch on it and don't do it justice. And in previous episodes, you might have heard me say that 343 has been calling bullshit on stuff like this and other U.S. soccer antics since 2009. And you might have heard me say that this is why I first gravitated towards 343. It's true. And since starting this podcast in 2015, I've never been told what to cover or how to cover it. I just go for it. And I've had people on this show that I absolutely agree with. And I've had some people on the show that I absolutely do not agree with. But most importantly, no matter who comes on this show, this podcast has become an arena to discuss American soccer without a filter. And I'm really, really, really fucking proud of that. 
And that's what you can expect from Ted and I during this episode. No filter, no script, no teleprompter, just two dudes sharing their honest thoughts about American soccer. So if you enjoy this podcast, and if you enjoy all of the conversations and all of the topics and all of the education that 343 provides for free, just remember that it is the premium coaching membership that funds this podcast and allows this podcast and allows this platform to continue to call bullshit on stuff that we think matters. And if you are already a premium membership and you are already uh, part of this program, thank you. And if you are not yet, well, what are you waiting for? Go sign up at 343coaching.com. And while you're there, you can find the list of all of the benefits of becoming a premium coaching member. But if you are a listener to this podcast, just know that maybe one of the benefits that is uh, most important is that the premium membership is what keeps this conversation going and keeps this podcast going. So if you need more incentive than that, then you can go find out more details at 343coaching.com. And I, yeah, you can tell that I'm passionate about this, this subject. And I guess it's just probably best to get into today's episode. So I hope that you enjoy this episode of the 343 podcast with Ted Westerfeld. Hey, what's going on, Ted? Hey, John. How are you? Doing all right. I was just thinking about this right now that the image that I have in my head every time I, I <laughs> every time I think of you is from some article. I can't remember who wrote it, but somebody has a picture of you like wearing a straw cowboy hat. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so that's howler. Whenever, when yeah, howler. That's it. Whenever I think of you, that's what I think of. Just so you know. Yeah, great. <laughs> I'm not sure what what I was thinking when I was wearing that hat. That's when they were all calling me a Euro snob. So my wife was like, you should wear that cowboy hat. And then they can't call you Euro, Euro snob. I was like, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> How long ago was that written? Shoot, I don't know. Four, five, four years ago? Three years ago? I remember, I remember reading it. I didn't catch it when it first came out. I remember reading it after probably you know two, three years after it first came out. And I remember reaching out to the to the guy that wrote it, and I can't remember his name, but um, and Kevin. I remember Kevin. That's right. And I remember telling him that he he actually did a very good job because I feel like for the for the most part you get very unfair press, and you you get you know when the people do mention you on, on their mainstream media accounts, it's it's you know typically negative. Uh, negative press, and I feel like that yeah. guy Kevin actually did a, a pretty decent job of, of yeah, telling people right. who, <laughs> telling people who you really are. Though I, th- I think I think that was pretty good. So uh, it was all right. I mean, I really I, I didn't want to just talk about myself the entire time. I wanted to talk to him about promotion and relegation, and then he wanted to make it about me, and it was like, okay, all right. <laughs> no, hey, but it's it's important though because I've talked to let's see who did I talk to about it last? I think with Brian Dunseth and uh, <laughs> really, yeah, not well, not a, no 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 not about you, but 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 okay. the point the point I'm trying to make is the that humanizing people that we that we you know just 
frequently interact with on, on social media or we only read about or see on TV or, you know, yeah. th- those types of things. So people have this, you know, perception of this guy, Ted, that's just on Twitter all day and, and does whatever he does. And, <laughs> it's true though. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. And, and I think that I piece, love Twitter. I, I will not lie. <laughs> but I, I think mm-hmm. that piece kind of, it, it did, it did in a way humanize you and, and, and I, I, I enjoyed it. And I think, you know, people that get a chance to to meet you, I've had the pleasure of actually meeting you in person. Um, I think that, you know, they would have a very different perception of you. So. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. No problem. Um, so what do you want to talk about? I'll let you, I'll let you take control right now. <laughs> I, I think I, I would love to talk about where it's, where we're at. It's, this is awesome. Everything is, it's crazy how things have changed since last we spoke. So I mean, it's, it's, it's like night and day. Night and day. Everything, for sure. everything, everything is different. Everything is different. It's, it's how many lawsuits have happened since then? How many, I mean, the traffic's through the roof. It needs to stay through the roof. Um, all that, all that stuff. Everything is different. It's just, it's, everybody is battling over what form it's going to take and what's, I mean, I think it's, it's fair to say, so, well, it's fair to say something's going to happen in terms of promotion relegation. It's just a question of, what it looks like. And, right. uh, that, that's the battle and that's the down and dirty battle too. I mean, that's the, that's the battle I have every day. That's the thing that, I mean, I don't care about the people that don't like promotion relegation. I, I, I like the, I, you know, I, I, I'm much more upset by the people who, who, who through good intention or ignorance or on purpose want to, want to do damage to it, you know, want to set it up wrong, want to, want to do it wrong, want to, want to, want to do it in a way that doesn't that doesn't justify doing it at all i want to so. i want to tell you something that's that's been on my mind lately and and get and maybe see if you feel the same way so I, i've i've been trying to work on this thought and I, I i've actually been trying this new thing of of writing things down instead of tweeting them and it's it's mm-hmm. it's been it's been hard <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> no what a horrible idea i know right uh, <laughs> but this thought that i've had is is that uh, there's a lot of people that don't realize w- we are fighting on their behalf. And to me, that is motivating because I see more people moving from uh, one, see, and this is where, this is where I'm, I'm struggling to kind of, you know, turn this into words. So moving from one camp to the other. So there's only, there's only people leaving one camp and joining the other. It's not going the other way. And I think you know, I hope so. I mean, that's the plan, right? I mean, look, I just got done with the conversation. I mean, uh, there's no secret that the Detroit fans and I don't have a great relationship, and I don't care because that club's going to be dead in 10 years without promotion relegation. So this is gone. So I don't mind harassing them. I don't mind taking them. I don't mind. It doesn't matter to me. It's like if you don't, you know, I've done enough American soccer history to know that that club's gone without promotion relegation. I don't care how many people show up and I don't care how many great things are happening. It's been done before. And these, and they think that they're doing it right. And they think they found, you know, they're cracking the code and they're, and then they're just not doing it and trying to guilt other people into supporting soccer because, you know, they support their, you know, all that stuff is, 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 so it's hard. I mean, it's a, it's such a hard dance to do because you can't, 
But at the same time, it's easy. It's like, okay, well, look, it's better to just call you guys out than to just watch your watch the clubs slowly suffocate like a thousand other clubs before you, and and hundreds of other clubs that have the same kind of support, frankly. So it's like I hear what you're saying, and and maybe that helps. I don't know if, if I try to put it in the words, that's where it goes. <laughs> no, I think you 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 nail it though. It's like uh, th- those guys in Detroit don't yet realize that what you're doing is going to benefit them or what, what you're fighting for is, is going to benefit their, their mission. And so at, at some point I see them, you know, I, I see the light, you know, the, the light switch, you know, flipping on for them and be like, you know what, Ted actually was fighting for us all along. You guys don't need to be buddies at the very <laughs> end of it, but, it, I, and I don't anticipate you guys being buddies at the end of it, but you know, to me that that's actually motivating to know that, uh, you know, there's still people out there that are, um, and and this is where I I struggle with the words too, like uneducated, ignorant, like those have, you know, bad connotations to them, but that's really what it is. Yeah. I mean, look, they're just caught up in it. They're caught up in their own, their own success. Uh, and God bless them. And they should, they should cling to that. They should, they should, they should celebrate it. They, you know, whether they're soccer fans or just, you know, people that want to go have a, have a, have a community catharsis, whatever it is, <laughs> they're, they're, they're doing great. Um, so, you know, again, so, okay, me coming after them is, you know, it's, it's like, you're, you're not, you know, I don't expect them to be, to like what I have to say, but it's gotta be said and they're going to, I mean, I don't want them to be a bad, another example of, of, of failure in American soccer, but you know, I, I would much rather, yeah, that they came around and I don't care if they like me or not at the end or not, but they need to support promotion and relegation or the club will die. <laughs> so like you can hate me all you want, but I don't, I'd rather you hate me than to see Detroit city slowly suffocate, which, you know, maybe the signs aren't there right now, but trust me, if MLS goes in there, They'll do everything they can to pull those supporters over to MLS, and the casual supporters will go to MLS. And and frankly, if you're a serious soccer supporter, how I mean, how long are you going to stick with an amateur team that plays you know a handful of games every year when the NCAA lets them? I mean, it's just not a it, it can't continue, right? I mean, it's just it's like you can try that, but. I don't see the future it appears dim without promotion relegation, extremely dim. And you don't talk about this type of stuff without having researched it. And that this is, this is the point that I think a lot of people miss maybe on social media or when they first interact with you is that you're not just some, you know, guy that shoots from the hip. You, you've done extensive research into this type of, of stuff and and you know the history of American soccer maybe maybe better than than anybody that is part of the conversation at this moment and I try I, I mean I there are people that know a lot believe me but most people don't know and it's a shame because American soccer history the movie is going to be incredible and you could do like seven different movies of, of seven different periods and seven different stories and they're epic and they all get lost. I mean, for me, it's to the point where if, if, if I'm watching a period piece in, from the 1920s set in New York or Boston or, you know, anywhere, anywhere on the Eastern seaboard in, in an urban area, 
and they're, you know, deep into the ethnic communities or something like that. And they're, they're dealing with those issues and, and in, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever community they're dealing with, if they're not showing soccer, they're missing it. And I, and I, and I mutter and my wife wants to hurt me because I, I, I'm just like, where is the soccer? Why are they showing baseball? What soccer is all over the place in these cities. And if you're dealing with the Jewish community or the, Italian community or the Polish community in the 50s, it doesn't matter. Like the immigrant waves are all playing soccer in a very serious way in those times. And it's just, you know, the fact that MLS has, 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 has set up so much around the lack of our soccer history, it just, yeah, 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 you know. <laughs> oh, I know. And it's something that's very ignored. And I don't know why it is that, we don't celebrate the fact that it, our, our men's leagues and our women's leagues across the country are very ethnic based. I think that's something that's super special throughout our. And it's the same everywhere. It's not like that's an American thing. And that's been the you know that's the that's the the go to excuse for all of it is, well you know soccer and and that's changing recently, but only just recently. You know when I started doing this, it was like well soccer was, you know it was an ethnic game, man, and and just never really got traction because. And like, well, you're talking 1920, 1915, in the early part of the century, you, you there's a there's a better than like I think probably a 70 percent chance that either you or your parents immigrated. So you, 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 it's an it's a country of immigrants, and at that point, you know, it's no wonder that everybody is is playing soccer, and it's no wonder that by most people's estimations, it's second to baseball. And look. MLS from the start, and Garber is especially guilty of this, have predicated our lack of soccer history on a lot of the things that MLS does. So they're kind of stuck in that realm. Look, it's going to be the National Soccer Hall of Fame was moved to Dallas. And most, yeah, if you follow that story at all, I mean, it, that's another mass frustration because why Dallas? But in any case, uh, that thing is about to open, and Garber had just recently did a stop by there. How they're going to do that history with MLS's sign-off is going to be fascinating. It's I don't know how they can they can turn tables and acknowledge a lot of the great things that have happened in American soccer history. And <laughs> let me tell you, when they don't, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to point it out really quickly. And I, I can't imagine that they give it the credit that it deserves. But if they do, God bless them. But that goes against everything MLS says. That gives goes against everything they said about why they do what they do. And Garber used to say it all the time. Well, we don't have a hundred years of professional soccer history, so we can't do X, Y, or Z. That's just like, it's garbage. It was garbage from the start. And that's one of the reasons I keep doing what I do. I mean, we do have well over a hundred years of, of, of professional soccer history. And I've talked to David Kilpatrick and it's probably, you know, more like consistent. I mean, we haven't been without a professional soccer team in this country since probably 1910, maybe even before that. I mean, of course, things get really strange around then because you don't know who's getting paid, who's not getting paid, what's professional, what's not professional. But, you know, I can track the word professional in soccer all the way back to there. So I think that's unbroken all the way through. And probably the thinnest period of professional soccer in this country was uh, just after NASL collapsed because we had the dual collapse of ASL and NASL in the early 80s. And then after that, we went down to probably the, the fewest professional clubs that we had at any time um, since probably 1920. But uh, anyway, it's yeah. I mean, you could I could go on for days on profession on 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 this history stuff. It's 
it's it's so amazing and you know it, it's such a great example too when you get into it of how you know how does this not work and when, when you look into it far enough you're like soccer had all the ingredients to work what really why didn't it work like you're just saying because it's ethnic and people didn't like ethnic and that's why it, it and like it, that doesn't wash like none of that washes because nobody you know because mls wasn't here because it wasn't a single entity like i mean i i think i think you start to point fingers at promotion and relegation and how we run soccer pretty quickly when you when you when you look at american soccer history and that's why this new soccer hall of fame is going to be really interesting to see how they do it I want to. I want to make sure that you don't think that I was pointing at ethnic-based stuff as as bad because I think it should be. Oh no, 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 no! Absolutely not. <sighs> absolutely not. I mean, it's it's um, the, the uh, look. Barcelona was an ethnic team. I mean, all <laughs> they're all over the world. You find ethnic teams, and they just take different. In 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 South America, it's you know O'Higgins or like <laughs> there's like a hundred clubs like that. Are like where the hell did they get that name? But or why the hell is the English flag in Barcelona's uh, crest? I mean, anyway. It's that whole ethnic soul, that whole ethnic slur is uh, it's good to see it dying out. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that more of those teams can, can, can be, you know, players in this game again. And, you know, there's some of these ethnic clubs that are out there that are, that are a hundred years old. So uh, it would be great to see them get, get noticed and then to have a product on their hands. that's actually to have a property on their hands. that's actually, you know, worth something. Let me tell you, when the system's open, some of those clubs are going to be worth pretty serious money. If they, they're not going to have to market that much. I mean, investors are going to want a piece of some of these clubs. And mm. and, mm. and that's exactly where where I was going with that too. It's like when the system opens up, there's going to be a line of teams that do have like this, you know, ethnic based history of of you know. 20, 30, 40, 50 years worth of playing experience in the United States, 100 years worth. In, tw- in about 20 years, I think there's going to be a, about 50 100-year clubs, 100-year-old U.S. clubs. That's nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah. But They're there. But I, I just I view it through through the lens that I had when I was growing up because my dad was Croatian and we would go you know to Croatian tournaments where every team a whole, an entire tournament's worth fielded uh, Croatian teams and I think at the time you could have like one or two guys on the team that weren't Croatian but it's like you mm-hmm. had you know uh, let's see a weekend's worth so we probably had eight to 12 teams all, you know, traveling from all over the United States and even like Toronto and Vancouver. And they would meet in San Francisco and we would play a tournament for the weekend. And so, and that history hasn't been done because the same is the same in Canada. It's the same in Australia. And there are, the Croatian community has been unreal. It's, it's just, it's, it's, there are clubs in, in Australia to this day, I mean, you know, you're talking another 50, 67 year old Croatian clubs that are in Australia. It's, 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 it's a story that's never been told how the, how Croatians spread the game of soccer in, uh, in these English speaking countries. It's, it's really interesting. And still became badasses in their homeland too. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So, so I always look at it through that lens. It's like, you know what, if, if any of those teams were given the opportunity to try their hand at, at, at moving up the ladder. I think, you know, almost all of them would have tried at least and, and, and taken advantage of right. the opportunity to, to progress up the ladder, but that it just right. didn't exist or it hasn't existed into this point. And so I'm right. excited to see right. what might happen in the future. Right. 
Right. I mean, in a lot of those clubs that people, people say, and, 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 you know, no slight against the, the teams that fielded the, you know, the ethnic roster to go along with the ethnic name, but you look back at some of those clubs, uh, Ukrainian nationals and some other clubs, I mean, they're, they're bringing in players that aren't Ukrainian. I mean, there's not, I mean, that's not a Ukrainian side in the 1950s. And it's just, uh, that's their, that's their ethnic identity. And that's the community they're trying to appeal to. And, and frankly, a lot of these teams didn't really have another option. I mean, there weren't all, their, their best marketing opportunity was to appeal to an ethnic niche and, and run with it. So it, it, the ethnic side is, is, um, is, is it, it's what's spread soccer all over the world. It's what it, it, that that's part of the game. It's just, it's, you can't separate it from the game. It's a good thing. So let's, uh, let's get back to new developments that I think that you're excited to talk about because the last time we talked or between the last time and now there has been massive developments. And, and I want to know what's kind of either got you riled up the most or got you most excited at this point. Uh, cause I think it's been maybe a year and a half or two years since we've talked. I don't know the difference anymore between riled up and excited. It's the same, <laughs> the same, the same thing. Uh, look, it's, it's like I said, the, the right now, I think it's really important that we try and take the right path. And I don't think the right path is to do minor league promotion relegation. And I don't think, I especially don't think it's hoping that MLS somehow splits into two different leagues and does that with themselves. I think that that's the way some people want to want to direct this narrative. And, you know, what gets me fired up the most is saying, you know what, the most important thing is to open this thing wide open. And there's there's no reason we can't have the most wide open system in the world. And, you know, I know that there are vast gaps between um, amateur sides and professional sides and the NCAA is uh, screws up the the ability of some clubs to to do what they can do and then they depend on those amateur players from NCAA and all that but look I mean we have to we have to do this right and uh, I think I mean we're going to get some chances at it but let's not spend another hundred years trying to get it right I mean we got it we we just have to push forward and the goal has to be to get every club involved in an open system every club that wants to participate and not to hang it up on mls and not to say well this is somehow this this ball is in mls's court and we have to leave it there and they're the ones that ultimately get to decide on the futures of a thousand of other american clubs i mean we have to get ml we have to we have to change this thinking it's not about for me it's not about getting MLS to do anything anymore. And initially it was, and now it's much more about, look, we got to open a system and invite every club in and hopefully make it so that some MLS clubs can escape into it. Instead of, uh, we got to find a way to water down promotion relegation to the point that MLS can accept it. And that's where in my, in, in my, (laughs) in the nastier conversations I'm in, those are the two sides that are usually at play. What do you mean the nastier conversations that you're in? Are you talking about like Twitter exchanges or are you talking about actual conversations? Yeah, I mean, Twitter exchanges. And I mean, I do have actual conversations with people every once in a while. I mean, it's been fun to be a little bit more in the loop and talk to some more and more interesting people. And it's, it was, it was great to be on uh, the Rocco Camiso uh, conference call. And, and I've had some different opportunities to, 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 to participate on <laughs> beyond social media, but uh 
Yeah, I mean, it's it mostly ends on social media, and those that's where the line is drawn. And I think that I I think it's really important for everyone to understand that that's where the line is. I mean, you you'll hear on both sides, you'll hear a lot of people name calling and everything else. But I think when you break it all down, there are people that want to try to appease MLS into doing promotion relegation. And there are people that simply want to open the system and say, you know what, MLS, you can do whatever you want. Um, hopefully your clubs will join in, but we're not going to let you decide that, that this system isn't going to open. And frankly, you know, you've heard me say this on Twitter a million times, MLS is free to run like any other sports league. They can run without a divisional sanction. I mean, it, that's, that shouldn't be a big deal. I mean, if they want to be like NFL, they can, be like NFL. They don't need any divisional sanction from any nonprofit. So anyway, that's where it goes for me. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to have that conversation both on Twitter and off Twitter. I'm, I'm curious to get your, your thoughts on the flip side of that. So I, I, I have seen you uh, talk about, you know, MLS, just go ahead and operate as you want and, and, you know, let go of your division one sanction. What about, what's your response to people when they say, okay, NASL, why don't you guys operate without, you know, a sanction? And why don't you guys just go and do your own thing and, and operate well, like I that? think you got to get the system open to, to division one. And then, then you'll see how it shakes out. I mean, some people tell me that NASL is just, you know, uh, I, and I don't believe this at all, but some people just think that NASL wants to, you know, put themselves into some kind of merger situation with MLS or, just find a way to, to replace MLS at the top of the pyramid and, and wants to remain closed. And these guys want to, you know, whether it's Ricardo Silva or Rocco Camiso, they're just playing mind games with everybody on promotion relegation and using it to help market their cause, which in one sense is great because it acknowledges that promotion relegation and the whole topic is enough is big enough to, 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 you know, to, to market off of, which is fantastic. But, uh, um, Look, it's. It, I, I think you just got to get the thing open to Division One, and I think if if U.S. Soccer won't do it, we got to come up with a body that will, and they have to they have to a body that sanctions a nonprofit that sanctions and and goes to either to U.S. Soccer to Concacaf to FIFA wherever they can to get recognized as as a legitimate body that can sanction leagues. I think that's the best way, and in fact, at, at this point, I think it's the only way to move forward. I can't bear another week of uh, waiting for MLS or trying to appease MLS or I, I don't, it doesn't matter to me what MLS does or doesn't do at this point. It's just, they need to be moved into a position where they can't uh, spread disinformation and, and just cloud the issue and, and, and frankly thrive off disarray. I mean, look, I think everybody at this point who's in this conversation acknowledges that equity is being stolen from lower division clubs and, and it's being stolen for MLS. It's being stolen for us soccer. I mean, this is, this is, this, this, this whole thing is propped up on equity that these clubs deserve. I mean, how do you go out there and build a club? And, and then, I mean, I like to work on houses. How I wouldn't build my, I wouldn't work on my house if I wasn't, I mean, if there were somebody was just going to say, yeah, it's great. You really did a lot of work, but you know what? You, you don't, you, you're not major league. Like I, you don't, you don't really deserve what you've been for anything for what you've been building. You, you're going to be cut down because that's simply not the, the correct way to use resources in this country. We need to make sure all resources are directed to, to MLS and soccer United marketing. You know, we can't, it's just wrong. I mean, I mean, 
people are out there creating amazing things and they deserve the equity that goes with that. And not for, not, not for them to cash in and make a lot of money because soccer people are freaking crazy. They're going to, they're going to spend that money on soccer. They're not going to, nobody's, nobody in the, nobody in lower divisions that I'm aware of today is out there saying, Whoa, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get rich. Let's just, let's find a way to get rich. I mean, these are people who are bleeding soccer and they want the game they just love the game. They want to be around the game. They want to do it. And that, those are the kind of people you want that are going to throw money, that are going to throw their lives, and they deserve that equity for the stuff that they're building. Whether it's and and I mean I've had this this back and forth with 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 Dennis at at Stockade and all and all these guys, and I think I think they get it. Um, I mean, Dennis seems to want to uh, he he seems to still think there's a way to do this in a sort of a more from the technological side where you're going to break up this, these anti-competitive deals by just being creative and more savvy and finding a way to reach out and using new avenues to communicate with people. And I'm just, you know, I'm a little bit old school and I, I think that you got to sort of go head on with this thing and take this thing apart more straightforward. But now I'm rambling and now I can't even remember what we're talking about. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's keep going with that though, because the Dennis is a, is an interesting touch point because uh, what people don't know is that I've, you know, I've sent you plenty of direct messages regarding Dennis and, and I see, you know, some stuff that over the years you've sent him and I'm like, Hey, Ted, like, why don't you actually just like try working with Dennis? And I've, I've, you know, pleaded to you like, Hey, I think he's a good guy. I, 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 I think he has his, so do you know, I. I think he's a good guy too. <laughs> I do. I think he's a good guy. He's a super smart guy. He's a, su- he's a good guy. I mean, I think a lo- most people are good people that are in this, in this, that are in this, battle. Uh, you know, I just think that, that Dennis has slightly different ideas of how he wants to do things. And again, I, I'm going to be there fighting for a wide open system as, as long as it takes for us to get there. And, um, you know, I'm just worried that some of the ways that, 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 that some of the people are going about it are, are not the best ways to go. And look, my biggest thing is that I don't want some piecemeal form of promotion relegation set up as like a um, referendum on promotion relegation because you already have the results of that referendum. I mean, when you do it piecemeal, it doesn't, it's the only way it doesn't work. When you open a system from top to bottom, it doesn't collapse. There are no examples of it collapsing. Where you see promotion and relegation collapsing is where it's done half-assed. It's where it's done well we'll just do it with some leagues or we'll manage it really tightly. And anybody, I mean, the Australian proponents will tell you this back and forth. I mean, that's people will say, well, Australia had promotion relegation and that didn't work out so well, but it was a very convoluted form and it wasn't a fully open system and it wasn't sanctioned accordingly. And so it got all screwed up and then it, it didn't really work out. And those are the only, when you're talking about promotion relegation, that's the only kind of promotion relegation that doesn't work. So you, you know, unfortunately I put a lot of emphasis on the divisional structure and I can't, if you're not going at that full on um, as, as savvy as you might be and as smart as you might be, and Peter Wilt's also extremely smart. He's working on this and in the way he thinks it's going to work, you know, Without without dealing straight ahead with these divisional sanctions, you're you're not you know that's the one way it'll fail, and I just don't believe you're going to actually energize a lot of the supporters and a lot of the investors that you're going to need to move forward. So, who out of the people that are trying to build or trying to do something right now, whether it be through lawsuits or creating new leagues or or things like that, 
who in your opinion is doing something right? And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I got to believe right now I'm, I'm on the Rocco and Ricardo bandwagon. I believe those guys want to open the system entire completely. And I believe that both of them want, I mean, it, it, <laughs> with, with Rocco, <laughs> it just it doesn't make any more sense. There, there is nothing that makes more sense for the cosmos than to exist in a fully open system, because that is still the most globally recognized brand in American soccer. And you know that thing is a it, it, it's a it's a juggernaut waiting to happen. It's ready to it's ready to rise again as soon as the system opens. The, you can bet the cosmos. I suspect they'll have a, a stadium in Manhattan a lot quicker than uh, than any MLS outlet will have one. And I've heard the rumblings, but I, you know, whatever. If it happens, great. But you know, the Cosmos are are uniquely positioned to profit from an open system. And I don't mean profit in terms of you know raking uh, a bunch of revenue and but and, and just sock it away. I mean they're going to they're going that that property is going to be worth a, more than any MLS outlet in an open system period end of story so anyway i hope i think rocco and 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 ricardo are both on the right on the right page here i believe that they're doing the right thing and dennis is right there with them so you know i think i think slowly but surely we're moving in the direction that i hope we move in and that is you gotta we gotta find a way if you if you look it's not even an if. U.S. soccer is not going to come in and sanction open leagues. And, you know, what they're going to try to do and what, what I've heard from my sources that what they're trying to do is sort of tell people, well, if you meet D1 standards and you have an open league, then you know, maybe we can find a way to give you a D1 sanction. But that is not, from my perspective, that's, I mean, to set up another competition between a closed D1 and an open D1 that's just another how many years are we going to waste trying to do that before we just get to the point where, look, the closed leagues don't need divisional sanctions. That's how closed, closed leagues in the United States don't have divisional sanctions from nonprofit organizations. They don't need them. They, that's not how it works. So uh, hopefully we can, we can all get on that page sooner than later. And, and when that happens, it's, uh, I think we're, uh, we're going to see uh, the fireworks start pretty quickly. Do you ever check your blood pressure? Uh, yeah, I'm good. My blood pressure is solid. hundred percent. hundred percent. It's when so you... exciting. I mean, I, uh, people, people look at, I, I can see how people look at my Twitter feed and think it's, you know, a lot of negativity, but it's much more. It, I mean, the, the potential is so awesome that it's just, it gets me, it gets me crazy. It makes me crazy to just look at it and say, do you, do you 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 have to see this, and once you see it, you're 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 messed up for life. Like you, you just you just are like, oh my god, this is going to be amazing when it happens. Why are we waiting? Let's get this show on the road. Let's move this ball forward. Let's stop worrying that it's not going to work, and just see the potential and fight for it like crazy because that's how we get it. And do you see, uh, this is kind of going back to a point I tried to make earlier and I don't think I finished it, but do you see more and more people moving in that direction that you just described where people are like having like this come to Jesus moment? Like, this is going to be amazing once it happens. Like, what are we waiting for? Or do you see more people going the other direction? Um, I see people come in this direction. I see everybody come in this direction. I mean, it's, uh, 
it's it's a look. I mean, U.S. soccer and all these guys are not are, have been trying to position themselves as agnostic on promotion relegation. So it's like, well, we can go back and forth. There's pluses and minuses. Um, and, and that is that, that agnosticism, that, that apathy, that, that, that's, that's our opponent. And we defeat that we win. It's just, and, and not, not, not everyone has to grab it, but there are, there is a certain number of people that have to get super fired up about it, be willing to stick their neck out day in and day out. And we'll know how many we need when we get there. And we're getting closer. We're getting closer every day. I don't know what the number is, but it's getting closer every day. And, you know, last time we spoke, Ricardo Silva hadn't offered $4 billion to MLS to open up the system. These guys have changed the entire argument because before then, everyone was like, you can't. Not everyone, but I mean, the, the MLS people were like, you can't, nobody wants to put their money behind promotion relegation. You can't do this. You know, like, well, that's gone. <laughs> so yeah. now it's just like, uh, it's a very interesting period that we're in because now it's just like, they're the, fo- the sort of the MLS people that used to talk about promotion relegation aren't. And it's, it's, there seems to be sort of a, an effort just to, just to not, address the issue than to fight the issue or to discuss the issue in any way, shape or form and just kind of pre- to pretend it doesn't exist. So, you know, again, that's our battle. That's the point. That's the point about Twitter. That's the point about speaking up. That's the point about keeping the conversation going. That's the point about driving traffic. It's all, it's all part of that beast. I'm, I'm trying to figure out the right way to, to say this too. So every month I go to like a, a small business or entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurship, like group meeting, and every month we have like one minute to inter- introduce ourselves and, and give an elevator pitch about what we do. And I'd be curious to see how you would use that one minute to, or use a, uh, like a, a one minute time frame to describe not just what you do, but, but introduce the topic of, of promotion relegation to somebody that doesn't know what it is or, or what you're, what you're fighting for. What I tell people now is, I'm fighting so that anybody in the United States can form a sports team and take it as far as their players and their fans and they can take it. So you you've you've moved away from just soccer then when you're pitching that because you said sports team. Yeah. It's not you know, the soccer example is great, but uh, that registers with people. Like, wait, we don't do that? <laughs> like, no, you it's not set up for competition. It is an anti-competitive system. So the point is, and people kind of accept it, right? So it takes a second to sort of get, and then, and then they get it because, you know, as far as soccer has come in this country, there is definitely still a stigma around soccer. So if I say, Oh, soccer does promotion relegation. And then it's like, well, first soccer and then promotion relegation, these are two foreign things. And I can't deal with both of them at the same time, but (laughs) you can get to people pretty quickly by just saying, Hey, why can't you form a sports team and take it as far as you want to? I mean, you can go as, as uh, you can go, you can take it to whatever, as far as you can take it. You can, you, we have, all we have to do is open a system so that you can compete to reach the highest levels. You can be in the major leagues. Why can't you form a sports team that you can take to the major leagues? And once people are saying, well, 
the answer you get from people immediately is, well, because that wouldn't be good for that wouldn't be good for the league. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. But if you're going to stop there, then, you know, OK, but you might, you know, if you, there are most people don't want to stop there anymore. They want to be like, hey, well, gosh, that, that doesn't sound it sounds kind of American. You should be able to start a sports team and take it as far as you can go. One of the answers that I, I frequently get when, when talking about that, and, and I, I do use other sports as, as an example a lot of times, is that there's not enough talent. So when they, like people talk about the NFL, it's like, there's not enough football players. Like, are you kidding me? Or do you not watch college <laughs> football every, <laughs> every weekend? And how many people uh, go nuts over college basketball and, and things like that? Like, you're telling me like those games aren't exciting? I, I'm, I'm struggling to figure out like what they're – you know, trying to say at that point. And, and then you get guys like what, what's this, uh, fuck over at, uh, Oh Jesus. I'm not an NFL guy at all. Tom Brady over in new England. And he it was like the dead last draft pick or something like that. And then he's ends up being the best NFL quarterback in, in history. It's like, mm-hmm. you're telling me that, that there's not enough talent out there to, to mm-hmm. field more, more sports teams. I don't, like, I don't understand that one. Well, not, I mean, not only, Look, there's not certainly not, and I mean, there's plenty of talent. I think I don't think there's any argument for the talent in the United States. I think it's, I think I'm preaching to the choir if I say we're just not developing it it, it very effectively. And yep. there are there are plenty of reasons for that. But one of the things that goes hand in hand with that promotion relegation system is solidarity payments. So not only when we open the system are these lower division clubs going to have capital to work with and form equity, they're also going to have money to, to play with in terms of solidarity payments. So, you know, gosh, then we could, we could really start moving and getting and move and develop this talent that is more or less everywhere and find a way to, to craft it and, 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 and you know, and, and stop wasting another, not waste another hundred years trying to figure out what we're doing wrong, <laughs> not waste another hundred years blaming coaches or, saying soccer's foreign or you name it. I mean, all of the stupid excuses. How does a country that is loaded with soccer immigrants and has wave after wave of immigrants from soccer, I mean, why aren't we ought to be the best soccer nation in the world? It's, it's, it's a no-brainer. It, it, it should be the biggest sport here. We're, we're, it's primed and ready to go. Well, the, the question is, is what's stopping it? And if you're taking out the, the ethnic arguments and the you know, the gay arguments and all the other, every, any soccer player. I mean, you know, in the 1930s, it's because you're foreign in the 1980s. When you play, it's because you're gay. You know, it, it's all of the slurs, you name it. Slur after slur after slur has been used against soccer. That's it. It just got to break through all that. And the way to do that is with the correct system. Yeah. Ugh. That, that, that's a, it's a very interesting point you brought up because I, I, I mean, as a child growing up in the nineties, I dealt with that, like you know, the football, baseball players called me gay, and just just because I played soccer, like no, no, no other reason, just because I played soccer, and I think that's a that's a very, I think there's going to be a lot of people that that resonates with, and and it shouldn't be a taboo subject. Like we should be able to bring that up and talk about it, but it never gets talked yeah. about. Um, yeah, and it's it's, I mean, it's absurd. It's, it's it's whatever slur works at the moment is applied to soccer. And thank goodness the gay slur doesn't work as well as it did maybe 20 years ago. But we everybody got, you know, I don't know a soccer player that didn't get 
smear, you know, try to be smeared with some gay homo thing 20 years ago. I mean, and I'm just throwing out the terms as the way they were used, but I'm, yep. I'm glad they're not, I'm glad they don't get the same traction they got then, but shoot, it totally. didn't matter. You know, it, it, you know, a hundred, 80 years ago, you were a Jew if you played soccer or you were Italian or whatever, whatever, whatever the ethnic group you didn't like, that's what you used to describe a soccer player. Yep. So it's, 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 you know, all of that, it's that's a, just all of that can end. It can all end forever. And even the smart people who, you know, people who I wouldn't say, gosh, you're, you're, you know, you don't strike me as somebody who would be ethnocentric or something, but they were still up until recently, people were still using that. Like, well, back to, back to what I said before, they were just using that, that, well, soccer is a, is an ethnic sport. It's a, it never broke through into the mainstream. Well, <laughs> if you're an immigrant in 1920, you're in the mainstream. You are the mainstream. Yep. So, yeah, it's just whatever, whatever it is. And I think people that fight for promotion relegation have seen their their share of slurs too. I mean, you just get slur after slur after slur. Tin Don't matter. Hat, whatever sticks. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever sticks. Whatever they can throw at you. It doesn't matter. You know, anti-Semite, anti-gay. They'll throw it all at you. They don't. They don't. Just that's how. That's how this game. That's how this works. And, you know, I get, I get, I had Jason Davis had me on his show eons ago and played a little gotcha game with the question of, you know, what is, what, do you consider this a blood sport? Are you, is this, is this, and I was like, of course I do. I mean, it's crazy. People will do anything. And then he said, oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's, you're taking it too seriously. And so, you know, a lot of people (laughs) panned me for saying it's a blood sport, but let me tell you, and people are out there swinging away with whatever they've got for whatever reasons they have. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's nasty. I mean, when you're talking about breaking up a, a monopoly, the size, and just even, even making an inroad on, on a monopoly, the size of American pro sports, it's, uh, y- you can, you draw a lot of, um, irate fire, <laughs> put it that way. The, the point you made about it being a blood sport, I mean, that, that, I can totally see, I, I can envision Jason, you know, painting it like a super gruesome picture, but it doesn't need to be a gruesome picture. It can be painted in the fact that, you know, these are people's livelihoods that are at stake. These are people's incomes right. and opportunities right. to get themselves out of, you know, poverty and to, you know, provide, you know, fun. Fun is part of the equation too. provide education, provide all kinds of different things. So blood sport. Yeah, I could see how he would use that uh, in a way to kind of paint you in, or whatever, anybody in a negative light and, right. and to kind of use that as a, as a tool against people. But it's absolutely the, the wrong hey, livelihoods are at stake on both sides too, right? I mean, sure. You've got the, 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 you know, the kids out there trying to struggle and, and families that could sure use an income for a kid that's, you know, that could become a professional soccer player. So there's money on that side, but there's money in the, in the pundits and everything else that are, exactly. you know, uh, that are, that are, that their, their income and their livelihood depends on not ruffling too many feathers at MLS or soccer United marketing or U S soccer. Yep. And, you know, unfortunately, that's true, and you can call me whatever you want, but everybody I talk to from behind the scenes admits that that exists. And there are plenty of documented stories of MLS, you know, taking apart somebody who steps out of line in in the media and, and criticizing them. And let me and 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 it doesn't take much to starve a soccer reporter. I mean, a lot of these soccer reporters are living on. <laughs> 
you know, free, free pizza from MLS. So <laughs> you're, I mean, you're, you know, uh, it's, that gets twisted. And my words get twisted a lot into saying, Oh, they're all paid by MLS. They're making a million dollars. MLS is paying wow. me to say, no, they're not. But if you want to report on soccer in this country and eat, you need to, you're going to need to, you're going to need to appeal to soccer United marketing and you're going to find yourself in a position where you can either tell the truth or you can adjust that to feed your family. So I think everybody who reports on soccer in the United States knows exactly what I'm talking about. No, totally. And, and I talked, I had an interesting conversation earlier with, with somebody that does cover soccer, but isn't reliant on the access and, 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 isn't reliant on you know the benefits that uh, MLS provides now. At one point, maybe he was, and he right. and he and he and he acknowledged the fact that at one point, you know, he was hesitant to say certain things. But now that he's grown his his position and his business to a point where he 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 doesn't need to rely on you know those those little you know. You know Pieces of pizza, for example, uh, <laughs> he, quote unquote he, pizza. Yeah, yeah. He 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 can say and, and speak his mind, which is which is awesome. But he again, he, like like you said, he acknowledged the fact that 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 exists. Like that those people exist inside the soccer media. They rely on that access, and that's yeah. what gives them their their platform, and that's what gives them their notoriety or, you know, their, their book tours or whatever they want to fucking do. Yeah. It enables them to make their meager income (laughs) to continue reporting on soccer. I mean, how do you report on MLS if nobody cares about MLS? That's the conundrum they're in. The only thing you can do is appeal to MLS, right? I mean, MLS doesn't draw it just uh, there's no uh, there's no audience to, for MLS. How is there an audience to report on MLS? Yeah, and yeah, lots of people go to the stadiums, and I know, and Atlanta's doing great. Lots of people are going to those, but that's not you know that that's not as as I think we all know that's not um, that's not create that's not creating a lot of opportunities for soccer reporters and people who are interested in in, in getting into the nitty gritty of the games and and talking about players and talking about you know tactics and all of that other stuff. It's not as far as I can see that's not translating. And there may be you know uh, of the plethora of of, uh, of of podcasts that have sprouted up in Atlanta and those guys doing what they do. I mean, okay, but you know, is that mainstream yet? I don't think so. I mean, you can talk about Seattle and 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 Atlanta and Portland all you want, but I don't think that interest is is deep enough to sustain journalism. Period. What you what you just mentioned though is a lot of the guys. It does describe a, a lot of the guys and girls covering soccer. They're reporters. They're not journalists. They're they're not doing investigative stories. They're not digging deeper than anything other than. Uh, reporting the scores and reporting the reactions from the coaches and the players and and, and the fans about the scores, uh, right. and and that's right. that's about the extent of of American soccer media, uh, mainstream media, and and these little right. podcasts that pop up. You know, they talk about the scores and the injuries and you know the the next game coming up and and things like that. But there's nothing of like substance or nothing i don't want to say that that matters but there's nothing yeah there's nothing that that matters about those fucking things like who cares about the fucking score anybody can you can look up the fucking score in google i don't need 10 podcasts to tell me the score of atlanta united right right 
Right. It's 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 it just like I say. I think as 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 many as many people are going to those Atlanta United games. I think it's telling that the the journalism is not there. Uh, you know, and you know, and if I can piss off Detroit City supporters, I will. The journalism is not there either. I mean. You can only do so many reports on. Oh, look at how many people are here, and you know, look at look at all the people dancing. Look at all the look at the atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> like where the substance has to be. What's going on in your team? Where are the players? You know, what what what? How, where are you going? What are you doing? How are you successful uh, on the field? And that's you know, I, I don't think we're getting. I don't think that those stories aren't. Um, don't seem to be translatable in American soccer under MLS never really have been. And here we are. No, I, th- I think the, the big story, you know, of substance with, with Detroit specifically is why are, why is Detroit running in place? Why, why aren't they, exactly. why aren't they growing? Why exactly. aren't they advancing? So that's the exactly. story. Exactly. And I mean, they're doing a lot of things, right? Um, you know, their marketing is, is perfect. They've got, you know, an unlimited market potential there. There's without MLS there, without any, any, you know, that they're the only show in town right now. Um, Detroit's got a soccer history as, you know, as rich and convoluted as any city in the country, um, full of collapse, full of, you know, amazing stories, full of, um, you know, I just read that Detroit Chrysler uh, FC in the, in the late thirties was drawing 18, 19,000 a game. I mean, it's all, it's all there. I mean, Detroit is, is, you know, if you're, if you're near a body of water in the United States, you played soccer and there, there, you got a soccer history and that's, that work. I mean, LA has an amazing soccer history. And even if you're just a weird little place like Salt Lake city, you've got a soccer history (laughs) for some bizarre reason. I mean, Salt Lake city has an amazing soccer history, but yeah, I digress. (laughs) I I had, tweeted out to people that I would ask three questions from Twitter. So if I can end with, with three questions and, and just real quick, you can give me your thoughts on, on these. Is that all right? Yep. Okay. So <laughs> there's, there's a couple Uh-oh. funny ones, but no, there's one funny one that, that I, I'll, you don't have to answer. No, I'm not even going to read it. Never mind. I don't want to give this guy any, any airtime. Uh, so for, let's see. So from Kyle Williams, uh, he says, for anyone who supports an open pyramid, what are the most realistic and effective measures that they can take to elicit their desired reform? So what are, what are some actual actual steps that people can take that, that want reform in American soccer? Yeah, you're, I mean, social media is the resource of choice for me. And social media is, is, is should be, I believe that that is the key and remains the key. I don't believe. We're even scratching the surface on that. I think uh, it's all about that traffic, and part of part of what inspired people to stand up and do what they're doing now um, is that traffic. I mean, you, it's really important to do because you become part of a metric that people can see, that people can digest, and can be transmuted into decisions at other levels. And I think that's what we've seen from guys like Rocco Camiso and Ricardo Silva and, and, and Dennis and all of them. I think they saw the potential. I mean, Peter Wilt certainly did. He saw the potential on social media. 
um, we, we, we can do this. And using that pro for USA hashtag is important. Uh, it sits at just below trending for, for months at a time. And uh, it's never quite trended, but it's, it, it, the traffic passes MLS games. The traffic passes everything. And for me, that's the most important thing to do is to keep that hashtag going and keeping these, these conversations going and keeping, keeping it out there because the U.S. soccer media can't deal with it. They can't digest it in any, in any responsible way that I've seen. There are very few of them. It's just the only thing we have is them. And I've given up entirely on the mainstream soccer media. So we have social media. We can, we can outstrip the mainstream media in in the numbers game just by using social media ourselves we don't we don't even really need them uh, and there are plenty of people out there watching and i know fifa is not a lot of people's favorite body right now but fifa is watching and they're seeing what's happening and all over the world people are noticing that this is going on and we need to get them to notice even more it's 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 not going to be easy but we just got to keep fighting and social media should be our top tool I 100% agree. Um, this is a this is an interesting question, and I, I'm really curious to get your take. So, uh, Mike said that the MLS model might be attractive for investors, as we saw in Mexico, and and there's people talking about doing like European Super Leagues and and you know other closed leagues in in other parts of the world. Um, <laughs> what are you, he he basically says discuss the possibilities of closed leagues proliferating in other regions but how 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 do you see this um posing or do you see this posing a problem to promotion relegation happening in the united states if other countries are looking at adopting what we have in place the question i go to on that is fifa has very clear statutes on this and they're still there uh as much as Johnny might want to poo-poo them or not say that promotion releg, maybe say he doesn't care about promotion relegation as much as some of his predecessors, which I think is fair to say at this point, uh, FIFA could decide very quickly to end a lot of that nonsense. And in Mexico, I'm, I I've, I've I understand there's been some contact back and forth between FIFA and the Mexican Federation about about hey what's up with this but you know I think other administrations in FIFA would have acted more strongly so at the end of the day this is in FIFA's court and if they decide to act on this I think that will end the proliferation quickly. Um, you know, you can point to Australia, you can point to India as places where FIFA is coming down on the side of promotion relegation. Um, certainly in India, I mean, the Asian, the Asian uh, Federation is, is staunchly behind promotion relegation. It's written to their bylaws in a way that it isn't in CONCACAF. So that, that, that's a slightly different animal than here. But it still goes back to the same answer, which is FIFA can decide – to change this, and uh, if Gianni doesn't want to be the one to decide to stand up, then uh, then maybe the next president will. One thing's for sure, though, I, you can't. I can't imagine a world where you could bring promotion relegation to a vote in FIFA, and that, that it wouldn't win no matter what the question was. In, in with flying colors, I mean, so um, 
that's another way to think about the uh, the. I mean, if if a vote was held at FIFA to to limit divisional sanctions to open leagues, that vote wins. In I mean, in a landslide, it's not even close. So again, it's just about how far is FIFA willing to go to stop these? What does a guy like Gulati have over FIFA that's stopping them? What's going on with Gianni in terms of what? Why isn't he acting more forcefully? Um, is he worried about the European Super League? Maybe. Are these guys and are these European Super League promoters that close to doing it? I don't think so. Um, but again, all this sits back <laughs> in, in Zurich. It's what's going on in Switzerland? Like what's going through their heads right now? Why aren't they standing up more forcefully? For promotion relegation, um, you know, are they trying to are they trying to just just play around the edges? I don't know. That's 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 the question. But no, I mean, the final answer is I don't think I don't think closed leagues are going to proliferate. Um, anybody in England, there's no way they get a foothold in Europe. I mean, even in a super league situation, I can't even imagine that that happens. I mean. Uh, look, EPL is is the de facto super league in Europe right now. I mean, who would break away from from the EPL to be in a super league? I mean, the revenues are, out, are unbelievable. I mean, the, the money that's being made hand over fist there, why would they risk it on joining some Euro super league NFL thing? Uh, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. Mexico is concerning, but even Mexico, it's this, they're just in a hiatus situation. It's not necessarily going to change. And I think they're just kind of testing the waters to see what the reaction is from both the Mexican fans and, and, and FIFA and, and everybody else to see if, you know, could they use the MLS model? I mean, obviously their clubs become a lot more valuable once competition ends. If there's, if there's no way you can get relegated from D1, then yeah, that your properties are going to gain in value. But uh, I don't know. I mean, along that requires a very um, ambivalent fan base and I'm just not sure Mexico has that level of ambivalence yet. It was interesting to see the players protesting um, at different points, the Mexican players protesting at different points yeah. over the last few months. Yeah, no, it's been fun to watch that. Um, uh, you know, I think there's enough promotion relegation was never a, uh, Mexico was never the, the most, the most uh, brilliant and well-run and open system uh, of promotion and relegation uh, as far as I can tell. But I think there were forces, and I heard Tom Marshall mes- mention this a couple of years back, that wanted to wanted to move it into a more open system uh, because that that was seemed to be more a more effective way to draw attention to Mexican soccer to a lot of the guys, a lot, some of those guys down there. And it was interesting to see that swing over to this um, overtures from MLS and Garber talking about how he's had conversations with with the Mexicans on on how to close their system or how how they can do it and. Um, I'm, I would be, I would be, uh, I would be very interested in hearing what has transpired between MLS and, and the Mexican Fed and, and 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 the Mexican leagues in terms of all of this stuff because it's um, there's some there's as with most of these things I think a lot of the story isn't being told. I think so too. Yeah, it's interesting the the deal you know with some. Soccer United marketing representing both national teams and you know having their fingers in both cookie jars and 
Spanish TV outlets or media outlets kind of having home base in, in the United States and, you know, TV, TV deals happening in the United States that are broadcasting Liga, Liga MX. It's like something, something's happening there. And and yeah, like you said, this, the whole story is not being told and it would be interesting to get the, the entire story, even just a sliver of that story to see exactly what's happening behind those scenes. I mean, soccer United marketing is, you know, the games in the United States, from what I understand are, are amongst their, the Mexican national teams are, are the biggest games the Mexican national team plays. So, Soccer United Marketing has a has a has a definitely an increasing say in Mexican soccer, and I think that uh, yeah, that's 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 the that's that's if I could be a fly on the wall somewhere, that's where I'd be the fly on the wall. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, one one last question. It's a Twitter question. I'm going to kind of rephrase it to I think fit this conversation <laughs> a little better. But uh, so this an Alabama basketball fan. That's his name, which is weird. I've, I've never interacted with this guy to my knowledge, but um, oh, good. he he, uh, he asked, is playing on the international calendar viable for American leagues? And when, if do you see it happening? And uh, the way that I would, I would rephrase the question would be, does the international calendar affect or, or impact at all the, the, the need or, or, you know, implementation of promotion relegation are the, are the two, are, are the two inter, interlinked or, or not, I guess is one way to look at it. Um, I believe I'm with Eric Winald on that. I mean, I think you, if you don't line up the calendars with the, you know, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about international calendar in terms of club play and not taking international breaks, right? That's yes, what we're talking yes, about. Yes. So, I mean, you know, with the, with the transfer windows and everything else, it, it, certainly seems like lining up with that calendar um, puts puts everybody in the same boat and enables MLS or division one us sides to 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 get players for a whole season and not with this you know you know pulling in an ibrahimovic you know 10 games in and and that's that seems like that's never going to change it seemed bush league that seemed like something bush league that would end at some point 15 20 years ago to me it was like well you know when mls gets more established but I think Eric's right. I mean, I, I don't know how you, you you end that goofiness in, if you don't oh if you don't align the calendars. So, and he's always been a big proponent of aligning calendars. And and uh, hey, you know, I'm a I'm a big fan of Eric, so <laughs> it works for me. <laughs> That's good. That's good. All right. Well, is is there anything else that I mean is burning in your brain that that you think that people need to know or or that you want them to know? No, just traffic just traffic it's just a traffic game this is a numbers game and a traffic game and that's why they're trying to stop traffic and if you when you run into people on social media who and you know as much as they want to pan social media and say that that's it's not you know this isn't a very effective thing you're spending all your day your keyboard warrior you're spending all your day on twitter you're do this that that, that. It, it this doesn't happen without social media I mean, the mainstream soccer media isn't going to talk about this. We've already we already established that. Anybody's been following this, all you're going to get from the mainstream soccer media is an occasional heads up when you know a Rocco Camiso. Or, I mean, look, Ricardo Silva offered four billion dollars to open the system. I thought for sure that would break into the main, not only beyond the mainstream soccer media, into the mainstream media media. I mean, people, it's it's there's a there. I think out there. 
you're following this issue beyond soccer, you can see that promotion relegation has legs beyond soccer. I mean, hockey people are talking about it. Every time somebody – half the time somebody mentions the Cleveland Browns on Twitter, it's attached to promotion and relegation. I mean, this is it's, – it's an issue that's out there and make in a very serious way. And, it, you know, there, there are a lot of people who don't want it to happen. There are a lot of people who want to stop the conversation. There are a lot of people who want to hush people up. And, you know, if you don't like me or you don't like my Twitter account, I don't care. That's fine. That's not what I'm out to do. You know, if you talk about not liking me and loving promotion relegation, God bless you. Go for it. Hit it. But whatever it takes to motivate you to go out there and and add to this traffic stream, whatever I can do to motivate you to do that, tell me. (laughs) That would be fantastic. Any. That's all that matters. I mean, these are quantifiable numbers we're dealing with. Uh, a lot of people out there know exactly what we're doing, and they're trying to help us, and they're trying to augment us. And everybody out there, no matter what your personal position is on someone, should be doing the same thing. Just push the traffic. Well, I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier is that the the guys that don't want this to happen, the guys that are trying to stop this conversation, guys and girls, sorry, the the people that are trying to stop this conversation don't yet know that we are also fighting on their behalf. And yeah, that, that to yeah. me, well, is, I mean, is I, mean I don't know that you can solve that. I don't know that you can solve that. I mean, it, look, it's it, people don't like to hear that they're doing things the wrong way. And when you, when you go out and do that, I get that all the time too. Like, well, you should really be you know, to honey and all of that stuff. It's like, no, there's no pretty way to do this. You're not going to be sweet talked into like, it doesn't work that way. This is a, this is a question where a lot of people are legitimately upset. I think when you explain the numbers to, to, to people who are investing in this game, they should become more upset and legitimately so, and I think that's what takes us to the next level. And it's it, Rocco's upset, and Ricardo's upset, and Dennis is upset, and a lot of people should be upset. I mean, it's not about – these aren't the kind of people who, like I said before, they're not the kind of people that want to come in and make a giant profit off soccer. These are people that want to throw stupid money at soccer. <laughs> they don't care about getting paid back. They, they want to put the game first. Yeah, they want a, a sustainable revenue stream. Yeah, they want to do this, but they're not going to be playing some soccer united marketing game and you know pocketing as much money as they can off off of soccer. These are people who are going to put stupid amounts of money back into soccer, and these are the people we should be empowering. So, uh, yeah, if I could end on another crazy, disparate note, that's what I would end on. <laughs> All right. Well, we will uh, we will end there then, and. I would love to get you back on in the future. I think we've we've done almost every year that I've had my podcast. I think this is your third time on my show. Yeah, and hey, that that trip to Vegas was fun. That was a <laughs> that was a good time. I yeah. enjoyed that. I enjoyed meeting Gary. I enjoyed all that. It was a great time. I was I was spent after spending 19 hours awake at five in the morning. <laughs> it got a little. I was almost gone, but hey, it was that was that was a fun time. We'll have to do it again, man. <laughs> and congratulations for you getting all the guests that you're getting because you, you're getting some of the people who, who, who matter a whole hell of a lot more than I do. And that's, it's, that's kudos to you. I appreciate it, dude. It's, it's, been a, it's been a wild journey for me podcasting-wise. And, and this year it's starting to pay some dividends. So I'm, I'm super happy. Good. Good. 
All right, Ted. Well, I will be in touch, man. Great. Thanks, John. All right. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye. Right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast. And thank you to Ted Westerfeld for coming on the show another time. I think this is Ted's third time on the podcast, which makes him one of the uh, the most returned, or what is it, seasoned veteran, I guess. I don't know. But uh, I appreciate you guys listening. And if you want to find more episodes of this podcast, you can do that by visiting 343coaching.com. That's the numbers three, four, and three, coaching, all spelled out, dot com. And while you're there, you can find all the benefits of becoming a 343 premium coaching education member. And here is Colton Bly to talk about his experience as a 343 coaching member. Like you have to, if you want them to adopt a behavior, adapt a behavior, you have to rehearse and you have to choreograph. And when I, like I said, when I first heard that from Brian in the, Brian in the introductory course, I'm like, that makes so much sense. Seeing his, uh, at the time, Chivas players doing their building out of the bat choreography, and then all of a sudden that changing to a game clip where they are doing that and they are having success and they are able to you know break lines into the midfield or pull the opponent out of shape, whatever, it works. And that's one thing that I've taken, and not just in the form of building out of the bag, but also in the attacking patterns and even in the defensive moment of the game, uh, running through rehearse movements on how our how we press when we're defending in the attacking third or how we defend as a block and where all players need to be to keep our you know horizontal and vertical compactness in the mid in the middle third of the field when we're defending so the benefits of rehearsing these things is huge you see it translate to the game and it helps your team you can find all of the benefits of that 343 coaching education program at 343coaching.com All right, thank you for listening, and we will catch you guys next time here on the 343 Podcast.